Holy Spirit will get you through anything. The real power is in the Holy Spirit. That's who Christ sent. He said, I'm going to send him to you. He's going to be with you. I'm going to be off in heaven. And yeah, you can pray to the Father through me. This is the guy that's going to be here. And we have to, we have to make use of that. And, uh, realize we're not perfect. And don't get don't let Satan beat us up when we make mistakes or when we realize we're not perfect. God told us we're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Hey guys, it's Melissa Moore. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Faith, Hope, Love, where we grow together in our faith, increase in hope, and learn how to better love God and love other people. On today's episode, we are closing out our Moving Forward part of our series, and we are joined by a very special guest. His name is James Dowdy, and he is my dad. And so um, I just, as I was praying about who to put in this spot in the series, we've been talking about these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as I was praying about who would really fit in that last set of three, my dad was the one that came to my mind first. And he is someone that I really believe exemplifies all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just something that has come easy to him. It has taken lots of years of prayer and uh, dedication to his faith, a lot of hard work and sacrifice on his behalf. And so I'm really excited to share my dad with you today. And as he talks a little bit about what it looks like to follow God with faithfulness and enjoy the fruit of the spirit. Thanks for joining me on the show today. My pleasure. <laughs> um, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and um, telling us maybe a little bit about your early faith okay. journey. Uh, well, as she said, my name is James Dowdy, Jim Dowdy. My mom was a believer. She'd grown up in a household as believers. My, my dad was not at all. So we would go to church. Uh, you know, she would take us, I don't remember how much, but at least periodically into the vacation Bible schools. One of the three fruits we're talking about today is faithfulness. And um, that's what I sensed most in my life from from God is how faithful he is. I guess it really started because I had this relationship. We have a, a little bit of a funny story that my family laughed about for 20 years. It was when I was maybe five years old or so, you've heard this before, uh, my uncle had some of my cousins and me in a, in, on the back of his flatbed pickup, a 1948 Chevy pickup, the flatbed. We were all riding in the back of this along a ditch bank. Of course, that would get you arrested today but in those days, back in the you know 1950s, you could do that stuff. So yeah, we're driving along, and uh, the ditch bank—they're not level, and it started tilted. And I, I just I had this fear that I guess we were going over, so I just yelled out, "Save me, Jesus!" Which my uncle he started laughing so hard, I'm surprised he didn't drive into the canal. <laughs> but you know, I got teased about that. But I really believe that God hears those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I think he gives us all some light. And uh, if we respond to the light we have, he'll give us more light. And so, um, you know, fast forward a few years, you know, as, again, at this little Nazarene church over in Hanford. Um, at about 13 or 14, we had a, uh, we had a uh, evangelist in, and he's talking about salvation. And, and I felt compelled to answer this altar call. 
So I went forward. I remember doing that. Then a couple, two or three years later, when I'm like 16 or maybe 17, I'm standing in the back of that same church hearing another one and talking about sin. And I remember saying to myself, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm not a sinner. And that, I think, was the beginning of me just kind of easing away from church. Went in the military after that, was gone, was down living in Southern California, uh, you know, living a regular life. Uh, about in my early 30s, was dating a young lady down there, and her family was involved in the church, so I was back in the church, you know, at least going church periodically or semi-regularly. Um, then that situation went away, and I kind of got really far away at that point for a couple of years, <clears throat> but then kind of came back and uh, to a normal life, but not really involved in the church uh, at all. Never not believing in God, but not really understanding, you know, the relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, even at that point. Do you feel like you saw the fruit of the Spirit in your life at that point? I don't think uh, I don't think I was aware of anything like that. You know, I wasn't. I don't. I don't know that I was even saved, even though I had done this altar call. But I think again, I'm my, my my feeling is God is so faithful, and the fact that I did those and did this and. He's, he's He didn't desert me, if you will. I think of the story of the, the lost sheep or the lost coin. You know, that's how faithful God is. And then I uh, met a lady uh, here who lived in Visalia, uh, who I had known uh, 10 years earlier. We'd worked together and uh, was started dating her. We dated for about three years. And fairly, ser very, fairly seriously, uh, she was going to a little denominational church here in Visalia, and I, we went on a semi-regular basis. But I was living down south and commuting, and after a few years, that it just for some reason didn't work out. And then um, it was a couple of years later that I met your mom. Uh, by this time, I'm early 40s, and she's 10 years younger, and you know we both wanted a family, so. Dating a while, we, we got married. Then it's history. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So up to that point, you know, I'm still we're not going to church, and you know, we're not horrible people, but we're not going to church. We're not involved. I feel like you've told me your story a couple of different times over the years, and I feel like every single time there's like little pieces that like right. I hear that I've never heard before. But I think there was always this thread of like you knew who God was, but you weren't like pursuing him back the way he pursued you right. up until yeah. when I kind of met you. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's been 30-ish years. I'm not going right. to say how many exactly, but it, you know, it's been about 30 years since then. You know, obviously you, you raised us as a single parent. Right. So, you know, would you kind of explain how God pursued you and like how you grew in that time? I think what happened, what, what did happen is this, when, when your mom and I decided to, to divorce, um, it was a difficult time, uh, didn't realize the pressure was on her, but anyhow, when we divorced, or separated initially, you know, here was this, and this is kind of a continuation of, of me, quite frankly, getting saved, uh, is, you know, here I am, mid-40s. Oh, mid or plus, because now this is 1996, and uh, in fact, I'm probably almost 50. 
the, really the hook, I call it the hook that God used finally, was, the, was you and your brother. You know, here I am, I've got these two little kids, two and four years old, and I thought, this can't be happening, you know? Uh, we've got these two kids, that, I mean, this is not fair to them, we're separating the house out in the beginning, and then we're getting close to having to move out of our house, because the three of us were still in our original home, and we're getting ready to move into an apartment down where you were going to go to school. And I was, it was just chaos, but because of the two of you, I could no longer run. You know, I mean, it had it not been for you guys and your mom and I would have separated, I, it's sad to say I would have just, okay, I'm going to go on with my life. But I did that because of you guys. I think God really put me on, stopped me. In fact, one day, and I'm sitting in my home office, we're getting ready to have to move out of the house. I mean, I'd gone through basically a bankruptcy. We, our business had, had failed, the real estate downturn, you know, this. And it was just, and I'm sitting in my own office, home office, looking at myself in the mirror. And I'm just yelling. <laughs> I'm angry and yelling. And uh, all of a sudden, just a phrase that I stated was, God, why is my life such a mess? You know, just saying the words. But, in the back of my head, I actually heard a voice, an audible voice in the back of my head that said, well, at last you're finally asking the right person or the right one. Well, I mean, my, I mean, just the anger, everything left. I'm just sitting there staring at myself, you know, without, and I don't know if it was a week later or a day later or a month later, my phone rings and it's the the lady that I had known from working in the 70s that I dated in the 80s calling me up. She knew about this divorce situation. This was about a year after your mom and I said separated. And she invites me to come up to Visalia. Well, anyhow, that day started about a 15-month journey. She got me up here, got involved with a guy who really started talking to me about Jesus Christ, about the Bible. It took 15 months of just the process for me. I would like to say I wore out the heels of my shoes being dragged. But um, one night I'm home, it's, I'm, it's a, maybe, if I remember, maybe in the middle of the night, I'm kind of half awake and I'm just having this dream, if you will, in my mind, it's a daydream kind of a thing, of me going to this little house this is, doesn't fit in with my Baptist theology totally, but in my mind, I'm seeing, and I go in and I see God, if you will, just a person that's standing there, not distinct features, but a, but a person. And, and I just ask him, I said, would Jesus let me come home? And uh, so his reply that I got was, well, he's here, out back, go ask him. So I... <laughs> I turned around, went out the back door. The only thing I didn't do was get on my knees, but he's this another individual kind of standing off five, ten yards. And, and I asked him, I said, Jesus, can I come home? And the response I got was, yes, uh, just wait here. I don't know if I asked, well, what now? Just wait here. Others will be coming. And then he says to me, do what he tells you. And how he pointed, but I, I, I went and a 
was aware of a third person standing here. At the time, I didn't really fully understand the concept because I wasn't really Bible. I wasn't Bible literate at all. I'd done, you know, I'd been in the Bible, but it had been a while. And, and, and shortly thereafter, having after getting into the Bible, I realized that was the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was telling me, basically, He'll lead you, He'll guide you. You do what He tells you. I uh, I didn't think I was. I didn't know I was going to cry. I had a feeling I was going to cry, but like to be able to hear you talk about like such a powerful experience it was again. It's the faithfulness of God. God met me where I was. You know, I heard a, st a statistic, older people don't get saved very large percentages. It's when you're young, you got to get saved when you're young. And here I am, 50 years old. And uh, was had I been saved all those years earlier? Yeah, I don't know, but I know. So God was very faithful to come after me, to keep coming, to keep coming, to keep offering. Mm -hmm. That's, that was what I, that was my thought at the time, not even thinking about the fruits of the Spirit. I wasn't aware of that all that yet. I just think back to like my early childhood. Like I think there were, I mean, there's so, so many things I could like share about like seeing God like working in your life. Um, a lot of it was like your faithfulness and like your willingness to, to put down your own desires even for my brother and I. And I even think about just the fact that we would drive like 45 minutes, you know, oh. each way for school. I mean, to, you know, go where my mom lived at that time. And I mean, there was just, there was so many moments like that where, you know, you know, we were in the car a lot. You spent a lot of like intentional time with us, at least to me, it felt like intentional, right. intentional time. And I remember, I feel like there was never a time that I saw you without your Bible. And there were so many seasons where like we would, Matt and I would be doing something and I would look over and you would have fallen asleep with your Bible open on your chest. And it was like, not like a one-time thing, it was like all the time. I don't know if that just speaks to you, like you need more naps or something, but but I just, I felt like it was just, I almost associated like your time in, the, in God's word as rest for you. And that modeled that for me, that that's something that I needed to make a priority in my life. You know, so, you know, obviously living as a single parent is, you know, very, very challenging. I'm sure there's, you could probably spend days talking about how difficult it was for so many of those seasons, but it was that time in your Bible that really transformed you. So, you know, how did you see your time intentionally in God's Word developing the fruit of the Spirit in you? Yeah. Well, that's where you, you find out about it, first of all, is in, the, is in the Word. I was, another little quirky story, you know, the Bible tells us that God gives us gifts. And for us to, and I always understood that. Uh, that's, our gift is the thing that we have that we, for the use in the, in the body of all believers. All of us have different gifts so that we're one body. And, but it dawned on me uh, that really my gift early on, God gave me the gift. Because now, you know, again, I'm older and I'm not very versed in this. And couple things. I had a little job that I, when I would drive around uh, and I would have and I would listen to Christian radio, the teachers on the radio, but the, God gave me the gift, at least for a while, uh, to read the Bible. Uh, I have to tell this another little quirky story. One, it became, this was, I was saved in the fall of, about in 96 and some more to jumping around doing things, but it was about May of the following year where I really, all of a sudden I thought to myself, you know, I've got to start reading the Bible. 
and a, a friend of mine had given me a paraphrased edition of the Bible that's and I'd been on my shelf for 20 years 15 years so I decided okay Lord I'm gonna start reading the Bible I think you're telling you're calling me to read the Bible so I tell you, I'm gonna start tomorrow I'm gonna get off work my pattern was to get off work go down to the local restaurant have a couple of beers with my friends, chit-chat about the day, do all that kind of stuff. So when I get home, I'm going to get on the Bible. And a couple of, you know, so I, I go, the next day, go about my business, go down, see my friends, have two beers, come home, lay down on the bed to read. And all of a sudden, I, I felt this buzzing, like, wow, I just had Two beers was nothing to me, you know, 200 and plus pounds, uh, you know, and wow, well, that's very weird. And I couldn't read. So I thought, well, okay, Lord, tomorrow I'll have only one beer. <laughs> I, I drank alcohol on a regular basis, you know, this was all my life. Just a, never a horrible amount, except on occasion. But... So the next day, I get off work, get out of the bar, I have my one beer, go home, lay down in the bed, this buzzing comes back in my ears. Wow, okay, Lord, I'll come straight home tomorrow. And that started um, a process that it was just easy. It was like when you guys, you know, when your mom and I had joint custody, when you guys weren't there, you know, having gone through the bankruptcy and having this little job that wasn't a really very productive financially. I didn't have a lot of money to go places. So I would be home and it was easy just to read for hours. I wish I, I can't, I don't do that now. I wish I could sometimes, but, but the Lord put me in the word pretty heavy. Uh, in fact, very heavy. Uh, in fact, to the point where I almost got smug about it. Uh, you know, my literacy, if literacy, if you want my understanding of the Bible, would have got to be fairly, you know, fairly substantial, fairly quickly. Then we moved up to Cambria, got involved in that Baptist church where, where these people knew their Bible, and it was just a real challenge there. And um, you know, that was it was a gift from God. To read, I used to keep, I always still do keep track, and uh, it was, you know, it was just the way it was supposed to be, and this is where you run across the things about the Spirit. Got to Galatians 3, and it says, you know, foolish Galatians, you know, you were saved by the Spirit, are you now going to walk in the flesh? Because my belief was that, and that's what God was doing to me, He was transforming me, changing me uh, from within, and, it, and it's His job, it's not my job, I just have to, to, to comply. And, uh, and that took a lot of them, you know, sometimes I think people get all nervous about, well, I, you know, I'm not such a great person, and turn it over to the Lord, the Spirit will do it. Going back to that, do what He tells you. And um, I feel like that's a thing, too, people, and I know I myself, too, like, would get really discouraged or frustrated with myself, especially when it was, like, self-control was, like, a really big thing, basically for everybody. But it's, like, the last fruit of the Spirit, you know, and it's it's kind of like, as humans, we want to just jump to 100% being perfect in all right. of the fruit. But like what you're saying is it's not something that we can just do. It's a change that God does inside of us. 
And I loved being able to see that progression right. in you over the years. Well, some things I think it's really, I don't know why God does this, but in certain things, you know, you just stop. Now, do I have a few beers now? Of course I do. When I say, of course, I think it's okay. I don't think there's a problem with that. But I stopped drinking totally for, I don't, I don't remember how long, years, I think, just because I thought that's what God wants me to do right now. If he's going to give me this gift, he wants me to, that's something I've got to, I know, that's my part of the commitment. So, and it wasn't hard. Uh, you know, other things take longer. And you ask yourself, you know, why does he just make us perfect? But it's, there's a plan there. The Hebrews verse that we've been kind of talking about with this whole series is this idea of, um, you know, laying down the burdens and the sin that so easily entangles. And it's like we almost have to do some of those things before we can really fully right. run toward Jesus. And I think, you know, with, you know, it could be drinking or, you know, any number of things, but right. the fact that you were intentional in, in setting that aside, even if it was just for a season, right. God honors that, you right. know? And obviously I saw the fruit of that, um, having like a stable home, right. you know, that like that, that is something that a lot of people my age don't, they can't say that, that right. they had a dad that was around and that really loved them, you know? And uh, I didn't want to cry, but that's something that like, I count that as a huge blessing, right. you know? First of all, I'm very pleased that you guys are appreciative of our life. But I was the one that was blessed, really. Uh, my goodness, I had no concept of what really what love was. I didn't grow up in a real loving household. I didn't see a lot of it during my life. I wasn't an, I wasn't an ogre, but uh, you know that was that was a real blessing, you know. And having you know during the separation of you guys, maybe. Going off, your mother, you know, she wanted to do what she thought was right, but she wanted, she thought maybe you would go off with her, and by this time she's remarried, and you guys would be a family, and maybe I would show up, and the once in a while, and the prospect of just seeing a glimpse of, wow, maybe my kids could be taken away, it gives you a whole new uh, perspective on, wow, this is a valuable deal, this is something that's really important. And obviously, you know, that whole side of what happened it's not my story to tell and you know it's obviously not right, right. your story to tell either but there was a lot of chaos in my mom's house at times and so to be able to have a home that as difficult as it was for you i didn't know as a kid and we would talk about finances we would talk you know you were honest with us about everything but i feel like you just you you didn't let it stop you you know um I do want to talk about, you talked about us moving to Cambria. Right. And that was a really instrumental part. Um, it's where I eventually met my husband, which, like, that worked right. out. <laughs> um, but in that whole moving process, it was kind of a quick thing that my mom just kind of right. spur of the moment decided she was going to move. And within a couple months, it was right. really fast. And there was, from what I understand, not really asking you what your opinion was. And it just um, kind of happened. Yeah. You know, that if you... You stop and think about it, that was right after 9-11, 2001, yes, yeah. and uh, we're living in Southern California, and your mom, uh, they really they wanted to get out of Southern California, they wanted to go to Cambria, but I think the 9-11 thing was a real motivator, and they kind of came to me, and I mean, because we had joint custody, they had to have my approval, if you will. I have to confess, I, I 
tend to like, well, I don't know about this, but okay. <laughs> Knowing that I, it was going to be a tough move, but I was quite frankly very happy to get out of Southern California because I'd been down there 30 years. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, as you remember, we was uh, I brought you guys up and you were with me for those few months before finishing up school in, in Sherman Oaks. And then uh, I drove you up in January during, uh, you know, like Martin Luther King break and left you. And then it was June before I came down there full time. And, uh, well, I just remember it was like, yeah, we were in school. We didn't really know anybody. Right. So it was kind of, for us, pretty isolating, you know, starting sixth grade, right. not know anybody. But I remember it was like, basically, if not every weekend, yeah. you came up, stayed in a little motel there in town. Right and took us to that Baptist right. church. And it was like every single weekend you were right. there. Right. And even though there wasn't like, I didn't know a lot of people at school, like church became home for me. Right. And it was because you were so diligent in that whole time being like a rock for us, right. you know? What got you through that season? Obviously there's a lot of driving. Were there any verses that kind of, you know, any that stand out to you from that season? Well, um... Obviously, the one we use a lot of times was, uh, what is it, uh, Philippians 4. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Lord. And the, uh, what is it, the, the peace, peace of, of God, will, which trespasses, will, transcends all understanding, will be right, yours right. in Christ Jesus. So we, <laughs> we would almost made that a joke, by not a joke, but we prayed that because, you know, times were tough and transfer, you know, moving and, um, I mean, God, again, was faithful. In June, this couple in the church, uh, you know, it's, they said to me, it's time for you to stop commuting. You've got to find a job here. You've got to stop. We have this hole downstairs. Come stay with us. We stayed there two months, I think, until we rented an, that little house that we lived in for 12 years. Like, that church really oh. provided so much stability and, I mean, a, a community. What a great, yeah. Pastor David Hollingsworth, he really established a great church there. I mean, he, so, uh, I want to backtrack a minute ago. You talked about, you'd ha you had mentioned earlier in what we were discussing doing this about um, evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The last of those three you have other faithfulness, I call it two different things, but you call it gentleness and self-control. Uh, one of the first things that God pointed out to me, you know, because I had been single all my life, basically, when I said, yeah, fairly single, and um, man of the world, if you will. Uh, so now I'm single, and um, I, I, you can edit this out if you want. I'm reading the Bible, and and I, you know, obviously I see the word adultery. Well, I'm not married, so I don't have to worry about doing, ever committing that. Then we came up to the word fornication, and um, and uh, I wasn't dating anyone, but it, you know, I, I just sensed that the, that was like the drinking. That was something that we had to deal with, and so I remember telling God, you know, uh, in the prospect of being celibate, if you will, for a for a season. Um, I remember telling the, just saying to the Lord on a number of occasions, Lord, I can't do this. In fact, I don't want to do this. 
So, but I know you want me to do this. So if you want me to do this, you're going to have to take care of him. You're going to have to keep me from temptation. You're going to, the spirit's going to have to get me through this. And he was faithful uh, for longer than I thought. <laughs> I used to joke with the Lord, if he had told me it was going to be this long, I might not have cooperated. We've talked about stuff like that on the show and like how that's a big issue for a lot of, especially people in my age, right. I mean, not just people in my age, but right. just celibacy or, or, you know, even like being with, you know, within being a married woman now, like what does that look like? to honor my husband in that way. And for us, you know, for you, it wasn't that you were honoring your wife because you weren't married, but you were honoring us and providing a home that was free from some of the chaos that could have happened. Yeah, and I, I think as much as I would have maybe wanted to get married or, you know, I just remember at one point thinking, uh, with your mom going off, you know, and getting married, you know, getting you guys getting thrown into that, and then now if I go off and get married, my fear was that you. One of the was that you guys would think, well, we're, we're just second fiddles here. You know, we don't we don't have any priority. So my my thought was to was that was that you guys need to know that you're you're the priority. And but again, that was God. I'm gonna say I don't want this to be. If anyone's listening that maybe is single, that's a single right. parent. Like, don't feel like this is meaning that you have to do this. Or like, this is like the only way to, to do this. But, you know, to be cautious about who you date after your... Well, that was a secondary issue, I think. God was, you know, again, I was a good guy. Uh, but I was, you know, wasn't a Christian man. And I, and I, and I look back and then God used that time to make all these changes in me uh, to, uh, you know, again, it's a never-ending process, but a, a lot of changes. And um, he was prepared, and I remember saying to him, would make me the man, I had hoped, I really didn't want to be single for the rest of my life. And so one of my prayers was, Lord, make me the man that the woman I would want to be married to would want to marry. And uh, you know, going back to the day I said, you know, the thing in my office when my phone rang and this friend of mine offered, called me up. We had stayed in touch with her over the years. And do I jump ahead and tell you? But, you know, here we are. <laughs> Spoiler after, alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You know, uh, 10 years later, uh, her, having, her and I having just been friends and me not dating. Lord, you know, on a couple of times thought about dating, but it just wasn't right. And then to the day when, you know, uh, sitting in her living room, having coffee, we're talking. Uh, it's a longer story, this, but I'll cut it short. And all of a sudden, looking at her and thinking, "Wow, why aren't we married? Why, why, did, why aren't we married?" Because she had asked me a, s a similar question the night before. It's a long, and long story, but just. Uh, Wow, why aren't we married? <laughs> and then I said it out loud, and I think she almost choked. But uh, and that's a, and that's a recent thing too. So Chris and I, my husband, we've been married for ten years, and it was like right after I had gotten married, I felt God saying that I need to start praying for you, right? Because I I, I had that. a moment where I'm like, I love my dad, and I don't want him to have to go through his the rest of his life alone. Right. And I start so I started praying, and then it was. 
probably six months when God put her on my heart. And so I started praying for the two of you. So it ended up being about six months later, I called and said, Dad, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, why don't you, you know, talk, you know, talk to her? And he's like, well, I'm actually going over there this weekend. And that's when that all kind of happened. Right. Well, then I called you back later and I said, oh, oh we're getting married. And, <laughs> and, you, and that's when you told me that you'd been praying, as I remember it. Yeah, I didn't. I went, oh, it's your fault. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've been married now eight, eight and a half years. Uh, we've known each other since 1971. Uh, people come to our home. We have pictures of really spanning that early time and then especially since the you know the early 80s through now except for that four or five year period five year six year period where your mom and I were married we have pictures of ourselves of each of us and again you guys kind of grew up knowing her um, so God is faithful so. Yeah, it worked out I mean it was nice too for for me to know like you know when you decide you're gonna get married it's not just some random person right. it, it was someone that like I trusted, I knew, loved God, and it was going to be like a relationship where you guys would continue growing together. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, in the last how many years? Eight, eight and a half. Eight yeah. and a half. You guys really, you have continued to grow, and yeah. I feel like, you know, being a part of the church that we're at now, I feel like it's been cool to see, I guess, how you've gotten involved, yeah. you know? Like, as a kid, like, I always saw, you know, I didn't, obviously, like, we read our Bibles often, like, we would right. do the, like, Bible in a year thing right. with you because that was something that you were doing and our church right. did so we kind of would do it together and so like there, I would come upon passages like this and I'd be like oh my dad is like this you know and like I think now even more as an adult like seeing your faithfulness to God as he was faithful to you and like your gentleness for the most part with us you know there are times when you have to be kind of tough as a parent and I understand that now more as I'm a parent now and, and the self-control thing that like as a kid I didn't know like I didn't know how to that would have been for you but like being able to see you having done what you did like what God called you to do and being faithful in that that was a that was just a huge example for me to look back on and you know if I ever if you ever get to where it's like oh I don't know if I can do this well Lord I know you can do it I know this is you know there are times something will come up and I Lord I can't do this I don't want to do this but I know you want it so Help me, and it's pretty faithful to pretty much right away. Yeah. Um, that's the you know walking in the spirit. That's what Paul talks about walking in the spirit. That's what it means. He's he's the one doing the transforming. He's the one walking for us. He's giving us the strength and the direction. And we I talked in a previous episode about just different ways to put our eyes on Jesus, and you know some of that being reading and studying your Bible, which you did, praying. Um, worship, getting involved in a church community, um, you know, just those being a few of the things. But, like, I feel like looking at your life, as long as I remember, as long as I've been alive, you did all those things. And maybe, I don't, I don't know if it was just something that you felt God calling you to be intentional in those things, but to me that makes sense that that would be how you were able to do what you did. Getting to be on the deacon board over there put me around uh, half a dozen other men who were who are really solid in the Lord and which just iron sharpens iron, they say, and, and I think even helped me grow more and more and more. So I think one of the other things I wanted to talk about too, you know, obviously this is kind of geared more towards parents um, and myself being a parent too. I, I know for myself, I do struggle with patience sometimes with my kids. It's just um, parenting is hard, you know, in the last 
you know, 18 months to two years. It's, it's been a really hard year, a couple years. But I feel like when we were kids, like you did a really, really good job of just being patient and, and gentle with us. You know, what would you, what are some tips maybe you would give either to the parent that's single or married? Like what, what tips would you give that's made, you know, to a parent that's maybe struggling with patience with right. their kid? You just have to realize to yourself that this is, this is a long time, but in the big scope of things, it's not very long. Uh, I remember the day when you turned nine years old, I, we were shopping. You, you wouldn't let me pick out your dresses anymore, but we're <laughs> shopping and I'm watching you. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, she's nine, she's halfway gone, you know. Another nine years, she's out of here. So for that gives you some perspective. Um, and you also I, didn't get rid of me either. <laughs> yeah, well, the, uh, I, have the, I have this theory of, you know, you hear parents, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. I try to say to myself, look, let's, let's move the boundaries out a little bit. Let's not nitpick and complain about these things in this certain area. But when we get out here, we're going to set these boundaries so we're not always saying, no, don't do this, don't do that, getting all frustrated. And, uh, but we'll have these boundaries, and when we reach those, then, you know, we'll take, we'll, that's, we won't go any further. And so you don't have to be, you know, on your, your kids all the time. And um, also, I, I remember instances of when a lot of times when you would be, when I would, would be a little upset, it was because uh, with you guys were doing something that really was nothing. But I, I just remember one instance, uh, Matthew dropping something in this car we had just gotten from a friend of mine. And being all upset, and I realized later that I was worried about what my friend was going to think. You know, about you know, this little beneath whatever spill that we could clean up. And... Uh, that was early on, so I think it stuck with me. It's like let's not let's not get so uptight about everything. Uh, there's got to be order, and you know you don't want out of control kids and all that stuff. But not being no, everything's not a no. I don't know. Lord just put it on my heart that these kids are going to be gone before I know it, and and I'm a I'm an older guy by this time. You know I don't. In your case, you know when your kids have gone off to college, you're going to be probably younger. Than I was when I had my kids. I think I have to do the math, but uh, I don't know. That was part of it, you know, just not making so many no's and and knowing that this is a gift from God to have these kids. And I think that he, since again maybe was older and it was the process of losing you, uh, really gave me a little more patience, if you will. Um, they're kids, you know. They're, they're kids. They're learning. Again, they can't be out of control, but you don't have to be on a like a Doberman on a leash, tight leash. Give them some, give them some, give them some room. Just to be clear. makes your life easier. And again, don't be so concerned about you know, what the person down the street's going to say about your kids. I know that's been a bigger struggle for me. And right. anytime I get frustrated, I've, I've just, I've been like, God, what is it that's making me this frustrated? And it almost always is that where I'm like, what is so-and-so going to think? Right. Or are the teachers going to think I'm a good parent? Or, you know, are my friends doing something that I'm not and maybe I could be doing better? And it's and it, it's not even the I want to be a good mom or a better mom, but it was like I want to be the best and be perfect as a mom. And that's not what God calls us to. No. And, and the idea that, like, 
I mean, there are so many times that, like, I just remember our childhood that you just let us be kids. And that's something that, like, I struggle with as a parent now, that you are really good about with DJ, my older one, he's now six, that you just, when he's at your house, you just play. He always will come over and he'll tell me about something that you guys have built or worked on. And I, it just reminds me, like, he's just a kid who wants to play. And you were always, I feel like, really good with giving us the space to do that and not always being no 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 but when it mattered you held the line on like the important things you know and it helped me to know that there was structure and and um i could i knew what to expect in your house like i knew what the the real rules were and the times i pushed them and broke them you were you were really really on top of it and there's a million funny stories i could tell on that one um i know you're thinking of the same one i am um, but you just, on the things that were important, you held the line, but on the things where it was just us just being kids, you, you just let it, let some of those things go. Right. And, and there wasn't as much pressure to perform, if that makes sense. I just knew that I was loved, you know, right. and that's something that every kid needs. I remember hearing parents, because um, it's a tough job. It's, it's, you know, it's, and the younger they are, the tougher it is. But anyhow, it's the same things like, oh my gosh, and you know, eight more years, I'm gonna be out of here, and I gotta have my own life. You miss the, you're missing the boat, folks. And God forbid your child should hear you say that. Uh, so, you know, not, not being in a rush for you to go. I don't know why. I, I mean, it just, it was a long time, and the day by day is obviously tough. But all of a sudden, it's a week, it's a month, it's a year, two years. And you realize this is going to be over soon, and uh, they're going to be gone. And you only pray that you'll be around, you'll be able to see them. And, uh, so. I know it's a big challenge for like people that are parenting right now. That it's like this constant feeling of like people always like your age will always tell us like, oh, you're going to miss this, and it's like, you know, don't tell us that when the kids are in the middle of a tantrum or like they're <laughs> breaking down in the middle of the supermarket, and you're like, I really don't think I'm going to miss this, but I think you've been able to kind of tell me a number of times when I come to you frustrated with the kids that you're like, it's all of this is worth it. Right. And, and the whole of, of parenting, you're going to miss having your kids there every day. Right. And I, there were so many things in our childhood that seemingly were like mundane things, but like you would just bring us along and we were just part of your life. Right. Like whether it was again, all the time commuting in the car or going to the laundromat and doing laundry together, or, I mean, there's there's so, so many, just things that were simple, you know, going to the arcade and the batting cages, and, you know, you would just, we would just play and have fun. And it wasn't, again, not always fun, it was not always easy, but you just, you made us such a whole part of your life. Whenever we were there, you were 100% there. And that, I think, is is the best we can do for our kids, is we, we're not ever gonna be perfect parents, but I think when we're again being fueled and energized and refreshed by our time with God, our time in Christian community, our time spent in prayer, like he gives us what we need to be able to love our kids, even when they're not easy love to love. Yeah. <laughs> and I know there were times I definitely gave you a hard time. So thanks. <laughs> well, the tantrum part, that's, you know, that's, that's something I was like, you know, that that's on the other side of that line. You oh, can't yeah. be doing this. Yeah. And, and, and half the time there's a reason for it. You know, it's not just some random, oh, I'm going to throw a tantrum so I can do this. It was most often there's really a reason I'm tired, I'm hungry, you know, uh, 
I really do want that toy that you want to let me have. <laughs> um, it's, you know, yeah, it, it, it's frustrating in those times. And, and again, you want your kids to behave. Again, just give them a little, a little space and, and let them know that they're important. But I think, too, like parents, you know, like we always talk about, like, God as being a father. And I think for so many people that do have, like, childhood parent woundings or, you know, didn't have healthy relationships right. with their dads, like, that is really a big hurdle to get over. And I think if you're, as a parent, kind of doing both the mom and the dad role, it's, it's doubly difficult to do that. But I think, again, you've, for me, have mirrored what it looks like to be loved by God because you were steadfast. You were faithful to my brother and I. And I mean, you really exemplified all of those. I mean, I'm not just trying to brag on you, but I will. But I think like it shows the fact that like, even in your humanity, God was able to love us through you. And again, not a lot of kids get that. And maybe if someone's you know watching this, that they didn't have a childhood like I did, or maybe they had a childhood more like what you grew up in where they didn't maybe get the love of God um, on a day-to-day basis wasn't consistent. You know, they you know they can receive God's healing, and they can through God experience the love of the Father. I think God prepared me or worked on me to help me to be more patient, um, whatever it took. So, you know, faithfulness was kind of part of my DNA already, but the Lord just made it real. You know. Loyalty might be one of my you know, highest attributes, as you would well know. And, but God just uses those things and, 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 uh, and made them really real. You know? So that was a great period of time. I wouldn't change it. You know? I mean, if it, could have been, if it could have been perfect, yeah, I would rather have had it perfect. But there wasn't any perfect in that whole thing. So, But it was good. Yeah. And life, I mean, life is hard, I think. I mean, again, you went through, I mean, with bankruptcy, divorce. I mean, there were so many things that, like, should have put you on a totally different trajectory. Right. And my life would have looked completely different, right. you know? And I think, obviously, like, when you were making the choice to start going back to church, to start pursuing God and, and reading your Bible every day, like, you couldn't see forward to what things are like today you know you just kind of had to put it in god's hands and say i'm going to be faithful what you are to what you're calling me to do and i'm going to trust you with the fruit of that it's been cool over the years to see all the things you were involved in like again our first church we would do communion together and like you were my sunday school teacher at one point i remember you know the church you know fbc cambria you were a deacon and you were involved in different ways in that regard and then now like you're you've been involved you know first different seasons in their divorce care ministry at Gateway. Of everything that you've been involved in, what do you feel like you value the most? Like what what calling do you feel like God has blessed you the most through? Like I said earlier, I think, you know, being able to be involved in the deacon board over there uh, was even further maturing, if you will. Gave me more exposure to things and to realize that there's some difficulties behind the scenes, you know, you have whole bunch of people and different levels of maturity and, and pastors have their hands full. Um, so I have a sense that there's something I should be doing now and I don't quite know that like I say I sat in on the divorce care 
And I sometimes, you know, there were certain contributions I made, and I would sometimes sit back and wonder if that really was, because most of these people are, were younger, and, you know, if I could have said anything to them, you know, go home and, if they're both Christians, go home and fix this. Or, once this is done, don't, you, and you alluded to that, don't be jumping into another relationship right away. Uh, you need to, you need to go, you're here, you're here in the church doing this divorce care. You need to, um, to, um, to let God work on you so you don't, you don't do this again. Um, so, because your moms and I, that was not my first divorce. I had gotten married when I was real young, but, um, again, I have a sense of something I should be doing, but I don't know what it is, um. I'm getting old. Maybe I should have lived all my life, but uh, I think my I think my gift is, and I hope I'm not being presumptuous, but my gift is, you know, like Paul talks about the gift of prophecy, where you exhort, encourage, and uh, the third thing I always forget: encourage, exhort, edify. Uh, I'd like to think that. One-on-ones, I'd like to be able to encourage people. Uh, maybe this is encouraging to know that the, the Holy Spirit if you, will get you through in anything. And uh, I think just knowing that. We, I, we didn't hear that in the early church, you know, where we were before. I don't think they really appreciated it. And I think some churches don't appreciate that, that the, the real power is in the Holy Spirit. That's who Christ sent. He said, I'm going to send him to you. He's going to be with you. I'm going to be off in heaven. And yeah, you can pray to the Father through me. But this is the guy that's going to be here. And we have to, we have to make use of that. And, uh, and realize we're not perfect. And don't, get, don't let Satan beat us up when we make mistakes or when we realize we're not perfect. God told us we're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. I mean, there's so many things. Like, I think... A lot of times when people think about what what does it look like to use my spiritual gifts and we'll talk about that like the next part of the series we're talking about different spiritual gifts and like how to apply that practically but i don't think it needs to be as complicated i think as people often right. make it but it doesn't mean that like you use your gifts of exhortation in like a specific ministry role sometimes right. it just is in your relationships like right. in your marriage or with your adult children or with your grandkids like being able to be someone that is just in your day-to-day -day life, just loves and cares for people and meets their needs in your specific, you know, right. hard wiring, how God's created you to do it, and like with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's something that we don't often talk about is, you know, it just needs to be organic and natural. Sure. Sometimes it's it's just oftentimes just in our day-to-day. -day. You know, I remember even too, you would always tell me stories. You used to be a, a bus driver, and you would tell me stories about just people you would just talk to on the bus. And it was like, I always was able to see you as just, you would just share your faith with anybody right. that would even hint at asking about it. And I think that that's something that you have always done well. And I, I don't know, I just would encourage you, God's going to put you in whatever, you know, specific right. ministry role, you know, you know, whichever one he calls you to. But I think you're already in a lot of ministry roles that maybe you're not Where? acknowledging that those are actually ministry roles. Right. So. Well, small groups we have and be able to share with people. And uh, again, it's the iron sharpening iron. 
I know a lot of people that it's like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church or like I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really read my Bible. I just kind of like know a couple of verses. And it's it's a it's a bummer because you're missing out on the benefit of, you know, the discipleship portion, not just being discipled by God and his word and and the obviously like the richness of the, the God breathed word of God. But when you're not meeting together with people that are not, you know, I think the biggest thing for me personally being in community has been accountability and having people that are able to say, Hey, I see this goodness in you. Let's grow that. And like, I also see some, some stuff in you that needs to be worked on. I'm going to walk with you through that. And I, I think so much of the church is mentorship and discipleship. And you're obviously at an age where you've, you've got the life experience, you've got the, the, the spiritual richness and the growth that, a lot of people in my generation really need. So obviously I've appreciated having you to like talk to when I'm yeah. processing through stuff, but I think, you know, God's going to continue using you, even though you're in your, I'm not going to say how old you are. Um, <laughs> you know, God, I think there's not a time limit or an age limit on the ability to serve in Christian community. Well, it tells us, you know, do not forsake the gathering together as, as is some are doing. And that's, it's, you need to be together. Yeah. But I think my, like, I know my perspective, I'm, I'm a future focused person. So I'm like, okay, well, what, you know, starting today, what's God going to do tomorrow right. and the next day? And I think, you know, I'm, I pray for revival all the time right. that this will be a season that people will recognize their need for God, right. whether it's because they're a single parent or because they're, you know, stressed or hurting. I mean, grieving. I really think God meets people in those moments, you know? And I just, I hope that, you know, again, the verse that we've really focused in on this, the whole series has been that Hebrews 12 passage where it talks about, you know, therefore, because we have this great cloud of witnesses, mm -hmm. let us, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us right. run with perseverance right. with our eyes on Jesus. And I think it's an us mentality that we have to, as a church community, do that together. I think you know we can probably run by ourselves for a little bit, but I think it's when we're in that community running together toward Jesus, again with the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we're really able to run with endurance. And I don't think we can do that running by, by ourselves. ourselves. And so I really hope that this is an encouragement to people maybe that are watching that are feeling isolated, feeling discouraged, feeling frustrated, that, you know, Find a church, a Bible-believing church that will walk with you through whatever season of life you're in, and God will meet you in that building. But, you know, God obviously doesn't live just in a church building, right. but oftentimes that's where he meets us is because that's where other people are, you know? That's where the body is. That's where the body is. So. That's, the, that's where the Holy Spirit is in all, this, all the bodies that are in there. And, yeah, that's where you'll meet them. Just go to church, you know? It got easy not going. Easy sleeping in that extra half hour and forty five minutes, and then getting up and turning on the, the television and uh, and watching it. It was easy, um, but you need to get up, put your shoes on, and go to church. And, and being around other believers—that's just what I've. It's just so important, uh, so important. Because again, we all have different gifts, and we all need the encouragement from one another and. It's the way the Lord set it up. And so that must be the right way to do it. And like the faithfulness of believers as they, as individuals, faithfully pursue him, not just right. individually, because we need to pursue him individually during the week, 
but being able to gather together, I think, like I feel like when we see the church together, it's the fullness of, right. of Christ and God's image, you know, that we were all individually created in the image of God, but I think the wholeness comes from when we all come together, right. as difficult as it is sometimes to live in community, because we're not all the same, right. you know? But I think God really does a beautiful and powerful work through believers when they right. gather together. And when you're face to face, you can sometimes look in someone's eyes and say, you know, I mean, is there something bothering you, right? You wouldn't see that if you were on Zoom or something, but you know how something, something's, I sense something's bothering you. Or they might say that to me, something's bothering you. And that way you can work it out. Um, so do you want to pray? Sure. Okay. So, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and pray? You want me to pray? You oh. go ahead and pray. <laughs> I didn't prepare you for that. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this time together. I, I thank you for Melissa and for her faithfulness, Lord, for her growth, for her walking with you, for her godly husband and uh, and these two grandkids that, the, that they're raising, Lord, that you would call those grandkids, Lord, help them to see you through their parents and grandparents. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for this time today. We pray that you will use this in someone's life out there. Uh, I have to confess, some of it seems like I'm rambling, and but we pray you will use some of these words to encourage, to, uh, to help others out there get through perhaps a difficult time or to be encouraged or to, to be, uh, you know, encouraged in their growth and their walk with you and, and, and their reliance on the Holy Spirit. Again, Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for the blessing of the family and the church body. In Christ's name, we pray, Lord, as always. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the show. We'll be right back here next week as we talk about the gifts, the spiritual gifts, and um, how we can use that in our day-to-day -day lives. See you all next week. <laughs>